Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. So when we talk about changing a nation or praying and fasting and where is the revival, the reason that we're asking that question is that over the years, I remember when I was just beginning in ministry and excited to be part of various charismatic circles, I saw a current trend. There was the view that if we did these spiritual acts, it would somehow cause something to be in motion and revival was going to break out and and change everything. At times there were even dates given in the body and these dates would be circulated around that at this particular time everything was going to change, at this particular time there would be a revival that would spread from the west up through the north and then down to the south and we really hung our hat on these things and and I did too and over and over again you would hear the famous uh, dates of when it was going to happen and I don't know why I never took note of it then, maybe I was just so young, but those dates would come and go and we wouldn't really see much change. And so I kind of reasoned it away as, well, maybe God changed his mind and he's pushed it back on his calendar, or maybe we were sort of off there, we just missed our dates on that. Now I want to be sure to say to you that when it comes to the prophetic, many prophetic words come to pass. I believe in the prophetic, I believe in prophets, and I have seen over the years extraordinary prophetic words given an immediate change or, or we watch it come to pass even on a national level and that is so exciting. But just as real as those are, what about the dates that are given and things that are said and this is going to be the time of the harvest and we're going to pray fast towards a particular date. What about when nothing happens? Did we miss it? Were we wrong? Did God change his mind? And what about all the people in our churches that watched life come and go and the date came and went and didn't really see too much change? Eventually what begins to happen, the more we declare things like that and voice that only at this time the harvest is going to come, we can tend to create a very apathetic church or a passive church that begins to sit back and say, well, okay, there's a date coming and two years from now and at, at, at Rosh Hashanah or at this or at that, and we can tend to sit back and have a view that, okay, God has some kind of calendar. We vaguely can figure out maybe what's in it, and he's really the one that's going to reach the harvest. And he's really the one that's gonna send revival, and we're just to kind of find out when it is and pray into it. I'm sorry to say, but that is just so unfair to our Lord Jesus Christ who died and rose again and said, stay in Jerusalem and, you know, don't go out until you've been given power from on high. And then the Holy Spirit came and then we see the acts of the apostles and and, and we see the great commission given that we're to go and disciple whole nations. And you find out it's very much a going gospel. The danger of housing all of what God is going to do in the country in the realm of the prophetic is that you will neglect and and be irresponsible with a very now gospel. (laughs) Did you catch that? The danger of having all of what God's going to do in the future and in the prophetic is that you will create a people 
who sit back and are not responsible for what's happening now? Why evangelize souls? Why labor for a harvest that isn't ripe right now? It's going to happen uh, next year. It's going to happen when uh, this particular event happens on television. And we say, good, okay, now the harvest is coming. And then your church sits back and we wait on God to bring them to the building. And we've been doing this for decades, waiting. When Jesus said, do not say there are still four more months and then the harvest. For I tell you, the harvest is ripe right now. And can you imagine Jesus said this after he had ministered to a woman that didn't deserve it, a woman that was not qualified, a woman that was not a now covenant situation. And she went into town and she just bore witness. That's all she was. She was a witness of the, the man, Jesus Christ, had read her mail. And all of the city began to come to out to, the, to see Jesus. And I imagine that Jesus saw the people coming and it was the time of the harvest, probably literally at that time. And he was comparing the season of the harvest to the season of souls coming to Christ. And he was saying, don't say that wait till it's in season. He was literally saying the harvest is in season right now. All throughout the New Testament, we see a now gospel. All throughout the New Testament, we see the birthright of revival available to us now. We see in Luke chapter 4, Jesus gets up and he says, I'm fulfilling this scripture. It's the year of Jubilee now. I am your Jubilee. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do this, this, and this. The waiting culture was something that was very Old Testament and waiting for certain prophecies to be fulfilled. Do I believe that God is the God of time, seasons, epochs, and a, and a spiritual calendar? Absolutely yes. There are many things that the Father does that he has times and sequences for prophecies that are being fulfilled with the nation of Israel now there is going to be a great ingathering and there are things that are going to happen in the last days but when it comes to the great commission when it comes to revival when it comes to the harvest it's ripe right now your next door neighbor is sitting there waiting to hear the good news of Jesus Christ We've been waiting on God to send something mystical and nebulous that will solve all our problems. God has been waiting on us. <laughs> Hallelujah. We must be people of revival now culture. And revival has so much to do with not just great services, but revival is all about souls. Revival is all about repentance. Revival is all about awakening the church so that the church can go out and reach a harvest that is sitting there waiting. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And we began to discover as a church when we properly trained and equipped the laborers and sent them out into the field, there was no problem in getting the harvest. Our first year of using this equipping system, and this isn't going to be a ministry pitch, but training and equipping and focused out there, we saw just over 150,000 people we were able to reach. We saw souls saved. We saw cities impacted globally. We began to go to different nations with a focus on equipping the laborers so we could send them. And they became catalysts of revival wherever they went. One particular woman, she said, Pastor, I sat in church for so many years waiting for my release. <laughs> That's parole talk. 
waiting for my relief, waiting for God to bless me to go and do something, waiting for a, something to be fulfilled. And when she was trained and equipped, she went on to creating a particular curriculum, tangible curriculum result that within six months, is being used in over over 36 countries and counting now and this curriculum helps families to to face this this perverse sex education that's creeping into our education system really on a global level you know the results can be immediate we began to see all kinds of leaders their destiny was awakened they went out into their sphere and they began to transform their society this is a now gospel you don't have to wait we're praying, we're fasting, and we must continue to. We must dethrone demonic principalities in our regions and nations, but then we've got to go in and occupy territory. Here's the problem. When we gather and we pray and we're, we're begging God for revival, and if we do manage to dethrone that demonic principality over the nation, we clap our hands that we prayed, that we tore something down, and then we sit back in our churches rather than go in and occupy territory. When you displace a demonic power and then you don't go in and replace it with the kingdom of God, what happens? The demonic power returns seven times stronger. And the next generation becomes worse than the last one. And this is what we're seeing. I know there was a lot there. You might want to listen to this video a couple times. But, but when, when we pray and we displace demonic powers, we've got to now get outside the walls of our churches, go in and occupy territory, establish the kingdom of God whose king is Jesus. We, we must have the audacity to, to have our constitution in hand, our Bible, and say this is how the principles of the kingdom operate, and this is what makes for a healthy society, and begin to strategically influence the systems of society with kingdom principles that bless a nation because righteousness exalts a nation and when those kingdom principles are established the nation literally begins to turn people begin to feel the blessing of that kingdom people begin to say yeah this is the way i want to live and soon they want to meet the king of that kingdom who is jesus when they encounter those kingdom principles the reason the reason why this works so well is that people don't choose necessarily to follow the right or wrong. They follow the trend. When it comes to national impact, they follow trends in society. So when you can make Jesus trendy, when you can make kingdom principles trendy in every mountain of society and be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove, when you can go in, you can be, as, as uh, Proverbs says, the lizard that finds its way into the king's palace. We need some lizard people in the name of Jesus that are influentially being placed in society. I want to tell you, some of our graduates, they go on to influence media. They don't necessarily get main actor roles, and we don't mind that, because they become maybe extras on a set. And as they're sitting as an extra, they have a lot of time on their hands because they've got such a small role. So as they're sitting there, they're able to mingle with the workers, mingle with the cast. They're able to talk with the bigger actors and literally they're able to influence them for Jesus. There are so many strategic ways to win a culture beyond just prayer, fasting, prophesying that one day it'll happen. You see church, 
When we don't know how to do something, we default to what's comfortable. It's time to add something to the prayer, the prophecy, the things that we, we do so well, thank God. It's time for organized righteousness. It's time for systemic change in the country. It's time for our churches to go beyond the four walls and, and shift out of the mindset that if I just pray and fast, maybe God will come down and change my nation. It has not happened yet in nations of the world that are praying far more than we are. I want to encourage you today that the best days for our nation are ahead. The best days for Canada are ahead. If God is beginning to speak these things and many leaders are awakening to the reality of transformation really is the discipling of the nation. We are going to see Canada saved. Canada will be saved from sea to shining sea. He will have dominion. Canada will become the king's domain. <laughs> Thank you for joining me. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit historymakersacademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting-edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, or download our History Makers Society app today.